Welcome back to season two of Behind the Counter. I'm Christine DeVita, and from across the Hudson River is my longtime friend and business partner, Keith Hancock. Today's episode, Improv Real Talk, Keith and I have an open discussion of the restaurant industry and how it has drastically changed from years ago. Good evening, Christine. Great to be here tonight. Hey, Keith, how are you? Good. I'm wearing this um, baseball cap. I don't think I like it. I don't generally wear these hats. I feel to rock this baseball cap on tonight that I have. Um, Move it in. You know, we're changing up tonight, guys. We're doing a little improv. The title of the show is Improving Your Past to Always Move Fast, but we're improv in this. We we have very little to no script, and Christine and I just kind of want to do... You know how... um, like a lot of those old 90s sitcoms like mid-season would do like the remember when episode. It was like the writers yes. got lazy. So they would just like show clips from like the past fucking six or seven episodes and talk about it. That was like yep. the family. That's kind of what we're doing right now. That's it. But it's not because we're tired of writing because we just want to change it up. So, um, you know, this episode's going to tell us a little bit what it was like then now and the future and nostalgia to come that will that has yet to transpire in our business. Um, so going in, you know, when I first got into the restaurant business, it was a rock star life without being famous. I felt like in yep. the nineties, it was drug, food, booze, and sex in whatever order that came that would change dependent upon the evening. Um, that was the industry. But I think we should start off before we get into a little bit of that. Um, Christine, do you remember what well, we know? where we first met. Do you remember the moment that we first met? I don't. You know, I think it was I at remember a hearing brief. it. It was where? It was probably a quarter brief. I think it was a quarter brief. So I heard about you before I met you because oh, no. I'm not going to say the name, but the person that was training me, I was at MIT for Pret-a-Manger. If I say the location, if I remember, I was trained on 48th and Madison, which... Christina? No, it wasn't her. I'm not going to say the name. You know, she could listen. No, she's still around. Starts with a G. Anyway, she was training me. She was my training GM. And I just remember she talking about your personality, and she had the opposite personality, so it frustrated her. She's like, oh, yeah, this girl, Christine, she's new. She was here for like six months on you, and she's, you know, coming in and blah, 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 and saying this stuff. She likes to get involved in the gossip. And I was like, oh, okay. She basically told me to stay away from you. Is what the advice was. <laughs> God, did I not listen to her? And it's a good. No, it's a... here we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't think, and you know what's funny? Folks, listen, I never told Christine that, I don't think, because I never really came up in conversation. You didn't this like her. I'm hearing about it. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. Gail. Oh, Gail. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. And you know what? I've kept in touch with Gail up until before the pandemic, right before the pandemic, I stopped hearing from her. I liked but- Gail. And I think that she probably, li- I think she did like you in the end. I think it was just the beginning. You're a strong personality, you know? And you yeah. remember, this is what I remember now. And I haven't thought about this in so long. When we were for prep, although they were a big company in London, it was like joining a small group of fucking delis in New York. You know what I mean? Yes. So it was like she got there first when they had like two locations and yeah. she was like, and then all of a sudden you come in, who's like a bull and she's more of a laid back personality. And 
I'm sure at the moment she probably was a little annoyed by that, as as anybody would be. But things evolve. She I was remember, a good person, though. I remember my interview. Oh, why can't I remember her name? Our know. HR person. Veronica. Veronica. Veronica probably was one of the two best HR people I've ever worked with. The 100%. kindest, most sweetest human you'll ever meet. I, there's not enough things I could say that are good about her. You know what I'm saying? And let me tell you something. That crew that we started out with over at Pret, that was the original Pret crew that came from London over to the United States. Right. Um, and it probably was the second best time in my life working for a company. The first was TGI Fridays when I was an hourly employee mm -hmm. because you had that. For me, it was that everybody worked with each other. It had that, it had a certain type of culture that I don't think they have anymore because none of us are there anymore. You know what I'm saying? None of right. the old executives are there, nothing. Um, and none of the ops people are there. But the culture when I, I joined Pret, it was... Uh, there's one word to describe. It's just amazing. And you'll never find that type of culture again in any other concept. And I don't right. care what, what you tell me. doesn't happen. Right. So, and it kind of makes you think about like that is for the bigger, a bigger discussion. What was it like being an hourly for then versus now? Like when we were hourlies, it's like oh, a completely yeah. different thing. Oh, it was fun being an hourly. It was. It was great. You had a great time. You enjoyed coming to work. I remember working for TGI Fridays. They had just opened in Massapequa, Long Island, and it was in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. I think 95, 96, mid-90s maybe, right? And there was a snowstorm. You wanted to go to work to hang out in the restaurant. You wanted right. to help. You didn't care if you clocked in. You know what I'm saying? Right. You knew that you were going to eat for free and hang out at the bar and play NTN and talk with your friends. And oh, my God, if NTN. You server, yeah. I remember that. If you were you a server, yeah. you didn't care about sweeping or mopping a floor in the kitchen because your friends were there. You know what I'm saying? Right. You didn't care about working outside of your job description and you didn't expect anything from it. You did it because you liked the atmosphere, you liked working there, and you loved the people that you worked with. Right. Now, if it's something that's outside of a job description, it's a whole other conversation. Absolutely. It's, yeah, I would it's, say the, it's the same. Sorry, the work no, ethic has changed from then to now, hands down. I I would not want to be an hourly today, and I would describe it as the same. Being an hourly was so much fun. Um, it's it's to your point. It was it was about wanting to be there, enjoying working with the people, and um, just a different atmosphere. Because you were on a team. It was more of a team. Yes. Now it's more about me, 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 and an individual thing in the team, and. You know, don't ask somebody to do something if they're on or off the clock, which on some levels, okay, I get that. Um, there's even inst even instances where, like, managers – remember, when, like, if you were a manager and you walked out of the building when it was busy, 
even if you opened, people were like, fuck you. Now it's like, I'm done at five o'clock. You know? They don't care if there's and a wait. Five o'clock, I'm out. See ya. That's it. That's, that's, okay. that's the difference between the industry and a lot of things have evolved. And, but if you really want to know, like, have you ever seen the, the movie Waiting? And then they have a sequel, yes. Still Waiting. That yeah. really encompasses on some levels. It's a little more sillier, but like what it was like. They have yeah. it all. They have the restaurant industry 90s and 2000. That was before it was so PC. Yeah. Those things that would encompass in one four walls of one restaurant was just yep. crazy. But that me. was the reality of the industry back then. Right. Take out the silliness that they added in, like you said. That was the reality of the restaurant industry back in the day when we first started off in our careers. Now, you don't see it anymore. You don't. No. You could – I remember – being a line cook because that's where I started off as a line cook, right? And I was mm -hmm. in the kitchen with all the boys and I was the only girl, okay? Mm -hmm. But half the stuff that they said to me and I said to them, if that happened now, I'll forget about you it. would have a swarm of HR in the kitchen sitting people down taking statements. Mm -hmm. You could have an argument with a server back then through the expo window and scream and yell at them as a line cook because they screwed up on a Friday night. Right. And then at the end of the shift, you'd be at the bar with the same sh server, giving them a hug and buying them a beer and calling it a day. And you guys were best friends. You know what I'm saying? Walking out the door and going to the next bar because your restaurant was closing. That's exactly. when you were allowed to drink in your restaurant after your shift. Oh yeah. Remember shift drinks? Now, now, there's sit-downs, there's this. There's no more tough skin in this industry when it comes no. to certain positions. And that's, that's the missing piece. It's, I have this conversation with clients all the time, right? And we talk about the work ethic. We talk about the applicant flow. We talk about, you know, just everything. And I start off by saying, I started in this industry when I was 14 years old, 14, 15 years old. I'm 48 now. This industry has changed drastically since the 90s. And they all agree with me. They're like, you're right. Very different. Yeah. I would have a hard time being a general manager in this climate today. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be so much for me dealing with the managers. It would be me dealing with the employees. Right. In fact, and I'm going to let him know. You want me to read it? He actually sent me a picture. I'm not going to say the name of who this person is, the restaurant, or anything pertaining to it. But I have a very good... Uh, text chain between him and an employee that he sent me. Would you like to hear it? Yes. I do apologize. So this guy, this is so Christine, this is a guy who I guess didn't show up to work, right? Okay. Um, I do apologize. It's not like me not to respond or nothing. Just to be honest with you, I try to not bring my personal life into work life, but I have a crazy ass roommate who likes the, who likes to be possessive. Thus, T-H-U-S, being said, I made her upset somehow, and when I took out the garbage, she decided to lock me out with no shoes, no phone, no keys. Then he puts, you get the point? Anyway, my night was shot. I do apologize. I did see that my schedule was diminished. I totally understand, and I, I will be blind if I didn't get the bigger picture where you guys were going with that. The only excuse I have, a med the only excuse I have is a medical one. It's always a medical one. Always. And that covered my days prior. This is unusual and I've never done it before. Then he responded, we have already decided to move on. We wish you the best in your future endeavors. 
This person responded back, I had already noticed that, as I just disclosed in my text. The obvious is there more professional ways would have been making a phone call. Now, there, now he's telling there would be more professional ways for you to contact me by making a phone call. Then he puts, right. it's like breaking up with somebody via text. So cold, he tells the GM after he didn't show up for his shift, and the GM right. did call. Right. Anyway, not dragging around, I appreciate everything you did. And then the, the GM put, I called, you didn't answer. You didn't call the restaurant. You responded via text. All I did was reply in kind, truly hope things get better for you. Good luck at your next job. But that's a very, when we were an hourly employee, like none of that would have transpired to the no. GM. Well, we would have been texting because it didn't exist yet. It would have been on right. the phone. Right. And we would have run in there, tails between our legs, apologizing for not showing I mean, up I'll for tell, work. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one situation I get into. I, when I was in TGI Fridays, I tried to call out once, never called out again. Mm-hmm. I called out, I called up my, the restaurant and I said, I can't come in today. I don't feel good. I have a cold, like I had a fever or whatever. Right. The, uh, the manager on duty was like, all right, don't worry about it. We'll get it covered. My GM calls me up from home. Mm-hmm. and gets me on the phone and goes, what is wrong? I said, I don't feel good. What don't you feel? I said, oh, I have a cold. I think I have a fever. Go take your temperature. I'm holding on. And I went, I took my temperature. What does it say? 98.6. She goes, good. Now get in your car and get to work. You're fine. You're not going to come to work because you have a cold? Unacceptable if you want to work in this industry. My, my ass got in my car. I went to work. Mm-hmm. Never called out again. And you know why? Because one, they were right. Two, I was scared of her. When I was a GM in Olive Garden, here's another reason why I will never call out. Unless I have some sort of stomach virus or a food poisoning, knock on wood, I will Mm -hmm. never call out. Mm -hmm. My director of operations had cancer. Mm -hmm. And he lived, I think, in Rhode Island at the time. And he had the Long Island stores. He would go to work right after his chemo treatments. And he wow, worked. Really? He still worked five days a week. This guy did not give up. And God bless, he's still here today. He's, he, I, I'm, I'm assuming he's much healthier than he was. Right. But he never called out. And this guy's going through chemo treatments. Hmm. And I was like, if he could go to work after a chemo treatment, mm-hmm. then I could go to work if I don't feel well. I know a guy right now in his mid-50s. He's old school like us. He's actually going through chemo right now, full-time GM, never misses work. Yeah. He's goes through yeah. chemo. He's got lung cancer. Yeah. Crazy. Right. Um, yeah. But, uh, but, I'm, but when I was in ops, I'm, I'm hearing about mental health days. I'm hearing about oh, oh, yeah, I no. just work because I just can't handle it today. And it's like, what happened? So look, here's my thoughts on mental health days. I'll give it to you straight. I think that there's, Overall stupid. Now, if you have a death in the family, okay, you know what I mean? Something happens, your house burns down and you lose everything and you have a little bit of a break at any time. Something dramatic outside of the scope of life like that. Right. I think it's acceptable to take time. A death, People, something yeah. tragic that happens. Yep. Whatever you know, it like is. Like you said, a house fire. Yeah. Take yep. a day. You need right. to relax. Right. Or a week. You're, you're, you're mean. No, I'm kidding. But like, but the, the take mental an hour. Health day, the, the mental take health an hour. Day Go thing. to the walk and take yeah. an hour. You'll be fine. Come back. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> mental health days now 
it's people take them just because they just can't deal with like they're taking a break from every day, like going to work. And I'm just like, right. if you need to take a mental break from that. That's a whole nother story. Right. That, you know, like you, know, you just can't wake up and go to work and that, that's, that's wearing you down. And you know um, what I would say that, and it literally would get me in trouble. Call Dr. Kevorkian. I, I would say you want a mental health day. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're not getting, your two days are your mental health days. Those are your right. days off. Those are your mental health days. Yeah. I have one, I have one mental health day. That's my one day off. Right. You have two. In HR, I would go. Oh, yeah. Chris, course. you can't tell them they can't take mental health. Yeah, I can because those are their two days. What are they going to take? Now they have off four days. Mm-hmm. So you work in two or three days now? Right. But, like, you have no value to me or, these, or this operation by working right. two or three days. So here's the next one. Different subject. Something that we used to do in the past. I don't know if yeah. they, doubt they still exist anymore. Christmas parties. Christmas I don't know. parties. I think it's a huge HR issue, Christmas parties now. I'm assuming. But think about, I mean, we attended one together, the famous boat party. Yeah, when and, our director of HR was over the side of the boat throwing up. Oh, yeah. Remember Jose. him? Yeah, totally. Yeah. His name was Jose, right? Yeah, Jose little, was on the side guy. of the boat. Just, he got, we don't even think we, we left the dock yet. No, he, we didn't, and he didn't was even, off the side of the boat. Oh, he showed up hammered. It was, yeah. <laughs> cause it was, but look what happened with, they, mm-hmm. they put him on the top deck. They let him sleep it off. Right. Yeah. Caught a brief, yeah. which was like, what, a couple of weeks later, mm-hmm. HR is making fun of it. And our president of operations had him up right. on the screen, laid out on the top deck, and and introduces as this is your director of HR, and that was that was his punishment was being called right. out in front of the whole company. But nobody right. cared. Right. Nobody, nobody cared. cared. Everyone thought everyone thought it was hilarious. Yeah. So, um, but they can have. I remember before I worked at I worked for a small restaurant group. The owners son's girlfriend drove her car through the owner's living room. That's, that's how out of hand that shit got. <laughs> like, you know, like that's how, so we don't, that, you know. <laughs> so we don't have Christmas parties anymore. When I worked for Macaroni Grill, they actually gave the GMs a budget to have a Christmas party and like rent another place out. Every year. Yeah. And it would get completely, completely out of control. Yeah. And now, you know, this younger generation, they're so PC, they don't even get it. I actually feel like they should start putting Mad Men, like that's what you watch as you go to school. So they can kind of understand what it's like to have thicker skin. Mental health days. I actually have sent to people that I know who talk like that, the scene in Mad... Did you ever watch that show? Mad Men, no. Um... There's a scene where Don Draper, who's the main character, is talking to Peggy, who was like this junior marketing accountant. Right. He, they're going back and forth, and he gives her the best rant. I'm going to send this to you because you'll just appreciate this scene. And she's okay. like, you never say thank you. He's like, that's what the money is for. Oh, jeez. You know, it's just uh, such a good scene. Um, but, yeah, Christmas parties don't, have, don't exist anymore. Going out and just doing all those things. And, I mean, some of it's good. You know, on the flip side of that, I'd have to say we're older now. 
I don't see right. myself in an environment where I would be going out and getting banged up at four o'clock in the morning and then rolling no, back to I mean, work we're, at 10. We're in our at 40s least. now. That ship yeah. has sailed. Yeah. That ship has sailed. I couldn't do it. Um, I can't stay up past 9.30. I mean, it's, I mean, except for the one day that we record. I'm in bed yeah. at 9.30. I'm done. We were kind of in the right place at the right time because we get the best of both worlds in a way. Yes. And that, yes. that I like, that I like in some ways, but I still think that part of what hurts our industry. And, you know, we, when we talk about staffing and things like that is the fact that part of that element has left the business. And also part of it is people are just brought up softer. And I think that as an industry with things like that, we're doing a disservice where we're just, it's job around the person when we used to develop the person around what the job was. Correct. And We're it's also a to... generational thing. You're talking right. about generations now who are given tro trophies just because they participated in a sport. You know right. what I'm saying? And right. it's like, when we were growing up, it was like, it was first place, second, anything after that, that was it. You got nothing. Right. You got sometimes nothing. What, right. And sometimes what I see companies doing is literally the hospital version of someone saying, I want to become a nurse, but I don't like blood and bodily fluids in the hospital saying, oh, no problem. We'll accommodate you and figure out how to make that work for you. Like, how can, you know what I mean? Like, that would be, they'd be like, well, then don't be a nurse, I would imagine. Right. And we don't, we don't do that. We say, oh, no, we're going to change. We're going to do this. We're going to, and it's like, it's just, there's certain things that just, that, that can't be with what we do. <laughs> there's so many restaurant podcasts now, aside from us, let's be honest, there's tons of them. Yeah. When we were in the industry, there wasn't, leadership wasn't talked about like it is now. If there's no podcast, which there wasn't because they didn't exist. We had books and magazines still. You know what I remember yeah. getting? Restaurant Newspaper. news paper version that would come to the restaurant. Yes. And they would and just send I it to everybody. Picking up the newspaper every morning when I got on the train. On the way work. in, yeah. Yep. Now in they don't New even York sell Coast. the newspaper by the train anymore. And it's hard to it find. Was, it was 50 cents. Yeah. If you find one, it's like two bucks now. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I still get every Thursday and Sunday for whatever reason, they send me a paper freaking thing. I don't know why. Because I subscribe serious? digitally. Yeah. Every Thursday. Oh, wow. Thursday, Sunday, I get a paper version on my on my driveway old school. Oh, well, oh like Sopranos walking out in his, uh, yeah. in his robe. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's just whatever... Whatever I subscribe to digitally, I guess that's something that they was a part of it, and I'd even realize it when I signed up for it. But it's kind of oh, cool, honestly. Go. I like I like getting the Sunday paper. Paper. I still I still cool. It's still cool. It's good for the sports. But um, I don't know. It's just it's changed, but it's changed for the better, and in some cases, it's changed for the worse. But I'm glad. Yeah. I think that in all aspects of life, you and I have grown up at the right time to get the best of both worlds. So it's certainly something to be grateful for. All right, Christine, it looks like it's getting at the top of the half hour for us. I think it's time we put a bow on this episode. It was great rehashing some things, um, talking about the industry of the past a little, which we do come up from time to time. On our next episodes, we're planning a great script. We're actually gonna be talking about NFT restaurants and how they're impacting the future and following that, we're going to have some great guests coming and join us so we can break up the monotony of just hearing us and add a little bit of spice to the, to the show. 
And with that, Christine, I will turn it over to you to put a bow on this night. This week's episode of Behind the Counter is brought to you by Bro Daddy Merch. Visit les-connect.myshopify.com. Some of the proceeds go to supporting gay youth across the United States. 